All right, folks, you know what time it is. It's time for an ad for Overcast. Overcast is an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. As always, you can get it for free on the App Store. Hey, y'all. What's up? We got a podcast. <laughs> well, you know that. <laughs> There's another podcast <laughs> that we think uh, you as a listener to Ergo might want to know about, and it's called Scene on Radio. It's a show that dives deep into history to tell stories that explore who we really are as a society and how we got this way. In their best known season, Seeing White, <laughs> the show looks at racism by laying out the invention and evolution of whiteness. And in their latest, season four, Seen on Radio retells the story of democracy in the U.S., or lack thereof, showing how anti-democratic forces have always been with us and exploring how we can move toward real democracy. So definitely check that out. That's Seen on Radio. S-C-E-N-E on Radio. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Well, hello. What up? We are here. This is Ergo. I am Damon. I'm Kiss. We are going back. This is another one of our once a month series of going back through the Ergo archives and giving you special conversations that you may have missed, but need not to miss out on. For our final go back of the year, we have a little bit of a treat for y'all. So Ergo started July 27th, 2015, uh, but the week before the show officially started, Damon and I got on the radio for the first time in Chicago together to just kind of test out our flow, get a feel of what it would feel like to be on the air, play some music, kind of a practice run. Uh, and we didn't think we had the audio for that. And then I found it on an external hard drive a couple months ago. And it feels like a really long time ago when you listen back. So we figured as a little treat for this last go back of 2020, from July 2015, the two of us, on July 2015, never before heard what we fondly refer to as Prepare-Go. Enjoy. Day and night, day and night. The longest owner seems to free his mind at night. He's all alone, some things will never change, ever change. The longest owner seems to free his mind at night, at night, at night, night. What's up? What's up? We back. That was Cuddy on a, uh, a bootleg internet version. I apologize for that <laughs> of day and night. And before that, we had Crystal Waters with Gypsy Woman. Or is it Gypsy Woman with Crystal Waters? I don't know. But some old school house uh, classic song. Yeah, you know, to get the Chicago vibe going and uh, get us cracking. But what's been up, man? I uh, I don't know. It feels good to be back in front of a microphone. We were talking earlier about, uh, you know, one of the things about this noon slot is the, uh, the edited music. Oh, man, I hate it. I hate the idea of censorship. I hate the idea of clean. I'm yeah. anti that, but I'm going to follow the rules. Hey, we'll, we'll fall in line when we need to if you give us a microphone and an airway. But um, I was talking with this DJ. I, I was telling you over at uh, in Poughkeepsie in New York while I was home. Who He's a mixed DJ and he does clubs and he does radio. And he said he spent five hours a day for three years just cutting up all of his songs and making them clean. In the little reverse. Yeah, I don't have the patience for that. So I have to like just Google clean radio version and hope that I get a good result. I you know basically what I, yeah. let the internet do the work for me. <laughs> <laughs> what, I used to, what I used to do on my college show 
is I would, uh, if it was like a well-known song, I'd pull up the lyrics and then right on the spot where the curse, I would bring the uh, the level down and then yeah, bring it right back up. Yeah. See, when we actually went to the same school, y'all, and when I had my show, I could play curse and music. So I went out of my way to find the most vulgar <laughs> things I could to uh, sully the Grinnell airwaves. <laughs> and you know what? Now that I'm sitting here, this is the first time we've had a conversation on the microphones with the headphones. And now that I'm hearing yeah. your voice, it sounds like a a cup of warm cider, Daniel. You are you are created for this. The sweetness of and, and the warmth in your voice. Hey, we're, we're uh, <laughs> keeping it grown and sexy on WHBK. Uh, so you mentioned that you had a show in Grinnell. Yes, I um, did. What was it that initially brought you to radio? Um, being really bored and wanting to do something. Uh, so what brought me to radio was wanting to be on the internet really uh so the show that i had was called the boom box and i was trying to start this whole little movement or group called boom which stood for board out of our minds uh so trying to you know the, the idea that i'm we're too talented and we have too much at our hands to not like have fun and to be inactive uh so from boom at the boom box and we did a live like you stream of the show while we were on the radio mm-hmm. so trying to like and it was on a Friday night. So the idea was like, if you are bored and you have nothing to do on a Friday night, rock with us. We got you. Um, and so trying to kind of mix my, you know, experience with different social issues, my love and my opinions of music, um, and then being, you know, a silly, funny dude, uh, trying to mix all of that and, and just have something to do while I was at school, something that looked cool and something that sounded fun. Uh, so that was really what that was about. So I did that for about three semesters till I think they kicked us off because <laughs> before you were the station head because we didn't follow enough of the rules and they were mad at us for not responding to emails on time. But we're like growing that. and mature now. We're going to follow the rules as we need <laughs> yes, to. Yes, that's why I have word. you here. That's why I have you here. Oh, I'm, I'm, the, the, I'm, the, I'm the rules You guy. are the rules follower. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so you mentioned that you felt like there was you had too much talent, too much uh, access and know. interest to be not doing anything right. um, before you got to Grinnell. What were you doing that you feel like was fulfilling some of those, like like when you're still here and you're not stuck in the middle of a cornfield? Well, when I was growing up, uh, you know, I had a few passions. First was definitely basketball as a as a young man, especially in Chicago. We are a basketball city. Um, and then Grinnell kind of stumped that out of me. <laughs> um, and then also acting and performing. Uh, I grew up kind of doing like different commercials and different modeling mm-hmm. and like kind of small films and stuff. Um, and then also speaking and, and, and discussing like socioeconomic inequality and wealth development and investing for young black people and trying to make that not sound as boring and complicated as I just explained it and like make it personable. Um, and then besides that, just being fun and, and being vibrant and like experiencing as much of the world and meeting as many people as possible. Um, as all, Those were my passions growing yeah. up. Uh, and so since then, uh, this is the interview of Damon, for yeah, those man. who didn't know. We were trying to kick off the talk uh, segment. And so since then, uh, now that I'm back home, I'm connecting more with the city. And now that we are in such a turbulent time, uh, what kind of keeps me grounded is, you know, what, what might be called activism or, mm-hmm. or, or social organizing or work with what is like known as the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, that is kind of my new basketball or my new uh, recording studio or my outlet yeah. um, to feel kind of free or like myself to like kind of respond to the times and what's going on. So you mentioned that kind of label for the movement. I, this is something that I feel like, I don't know, as the months go on and the 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 fervor stays high and the, the mobilization continues, that... I'm starting to see that be a categorization for the movement or a name for it. Um, 
And I'm just curious what your thoughts are literally about the label. About the label. I'm glad you asked that because it's very, very complicated, right? So um, first things first is like I support it because it worked um, and because it was productive and because I agree that Black lives do matter Mm -hmm. and I agree that it is necessary and and, in some ways radical or, or to affirm that. And to like stand on that very boldly, uh, but sometimes it's, it 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 feels um, like too neat of mm-hmm. a tag. Um, one, it, it, and it feels incomplete. So in some instances, it's cool to say Black Lives Matter, but overall, I think we need to start treating that as an assumption and start making bolder or, or grander uh, assertions, and also um, just realize that you know that that idea. Um, was about the marketing of it and it was about the public relations. Um, and sometimes when you get caught in the label or what's going to go down in the history books, you know, i.e. the civil rights movement, once you call right. it something that can be written into a paragraph, um, you overlook the real people. Um, and so sometimes my issue with, with Black Lives Matter is that it doesn't actually focus on the Black lives. It becomes more about the hashtag and more about the the public imaging um, of of that idea instead of the people who have been tear gassed instead of the people who get harassed by the cops actually on a day to day and not just, you know, march and protest and, and tweet about it. But I love everybody who march and protest and tweets. So <laughs> better, better than not doing that. Yeah, yeah. No, no shade at all of those people. I was just watching last night um, the new documentary on Nina Simone. I saw that like two nights ago. That joint is dope. That joint is super incredible. Dope. What were your thoughts? And, and how like kind of parallel it is to today, right? Obviously. Yeah. I mean, she's talking, there's a line in it. I can't remember who it was who said it, but talking about her and you know her contemporaries is saying like the participating in a movement like that it inherently calls uh for you to sacrifice your time your relationships your for her her sanity at times Mm -hmm. um and i think that's why it's so important to stay focused on the the humanity of a right right because once it be yeah, I think that's a very good point. Something that she some said that some people are only sacrificing and other people aren't. They're just hashtag like the not every sacrifice is equal, but people got if you're participating, the idea is you should be putting something on the table. Yeah, and, and just what kind of I, I moved me about the the documentary, the piece is the the history mm-hmm. of like we could call it black liberation work, um, and what's really at stake. Like the thing about Black Lives Matter is that it doesn't always account for the lives and people die and people go crazy and people go broke for this. Um, so seeing what she said of like, she was looking around and she was like one that didn't get assassinated or didn't overdose. And it was like 1971, 1972. And she was like, they're like, what happened to the movement? And she's like, they're all gone. Um, you know, so many of them either got co-opted, got got killed or were targeted in certain ways. Or as we saw with her story is the the issues of mental health or how all that work and all of that stress and all of that, outward performance can deteriorate you um, and seeing, you know, kind of how she unfolded over the last like three decades of her life. That is the story that we don't talk about when it comes to like movement work is that people kind of, you can lose your sanity fighting for what should be yours or fighting for humanity. Um, And that was really touching and moving to see what the movement has done to people um, in very real senses and like seeing her daughter and how, how she did so much for us as a people, quote unquote, but how that, you know, cost her her household and her family and, you know, her well-being. Yeah. It was really touching. I mean, it's a tough, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Because if you, if you choose not to fight 
or I don't know if you can, but if, if a person says, you know what, I'm not going to take up this cause with all of me, they still might lose their, they still might have to pay those sacrifices yeah. because what they're fighting is so powerful and is built to destroy relationships and sanity. Yeah. <laughs> and then even if you do take it up, you might still lose that. I mean, or it could cause a different type of insanity, which is like complacency, right. or like accepting the myths of our world. So a lot of people kind of like, you know, you don't want to be too harsh, but like sell out and be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm not going to worry about all that, all that marching in the streets. Not for me. I'm going to go get this job. I'm going to go, you know, kiss up to to the man, not to be like too cliche, right. but that is also an insanity to me to to blindly or with apathy not see or not you know a- answer to what's like going on right in front of you or going on in your backyard yeah and i think and that's a big issue what happened in chicago yeah and the apathy can either be i'm gonna kiss up and i'm gonna get that job or it can be i'm just gonna step out i'm just not gonna participate yeah, in any problem. of this yeah i mean and it can work both from positions of privilege and positions of not privilege where you say you know what screw it i'm not gonna participate in this system at all or you say i'm gonna just endorse this system wholeheartedly and get mine and keep moving. So this is a great segue. Speaking of, of who we're talking about and, and, you know, not giving into the system, I think Nina uh, needs to be honored above all, especially mm-hmm. in like the music and arts uh, for her contribution and her fearlessness. Uh, so here's a little Nina Simone, put a spell on you. Shout out Kwali with Get By. Uh, what we played before that? We've had Nina Simone with I Put a Spell on You. Much love, Talib Kwali. He actually came uh, to the city last week. He was at the Shrine. Uh, I saw him perform. I got to meet him. I got to chop it up with him. He was a real nice dude. He kind of, you know, it ties into the conversation we were just having about, like, the connection between art and activism and him being uh, kind of a, a current or contemporary example of that. I know he's been spent a lot of time in Ferguson as well. Uh, so much love to Talat Ta- to Talib Kweli <laughs> via Kweli close like Bethlehem and Nazareth that's my favorite that's most deaf line but yeah you got to we're gonna talk about you a little bit in your yeah. history Talib actually has crossed your path before you got to interview Talib among a lot of other like kind of legends right so before actually the the first like overlap it's actually a degree of separation he grew up in Fort Greene in Brooklyn True. I'm from the Bronx okay. but we have family friends who used to babysit him so Talib's like your cousin is what you're saying Distant, distant. Your second distant, cousin. That's how distant. we do it. That's how that's how black people do it. Then. Yeah, but we there's no cook out in the there's no okay. cook out in the middle. Well, I would have called him my cousin if I oh. was you. But continue, continue. <laughs> that's your, so he's your cousin, and then so I was always like, if I ever get a chance to meet him, I'm going to bring up Eric and Emily. They used to babysit him, and then fast forward to um, last year when we were still in uh, in Iowa, him and Big Crit 
were opening up for Macklemore in Des Moines at an arena. Okay, rewind. Talib Kweli and Big Crit had to open up for Macklemore. All right, that's great. That's real hip hop right there. <laughs> um, yeah, it was actually a um, a heck of a show. I-, I will say, like, I think arenas are the worst for concerts. Mm-hmm. Like, I think in terms of actually enjoying the music and enjoying the concert. You're about to. You're about to. Endorse Macklemore. Is that what this is? Is that what you're setting up? Is that what stamp of Is that what all of this is? All right. As a white man. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But yeah, talk about the, the Macklemore experience. Okay. So imagine in the middle of Iowa, you have 17,000 people there for a hip hop show. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself, that's out of the norm. That's not to be expected. And that, like, just the, I mean, for a genre that's in a culture that's gone around the world and has influenced so many people, where you still have these blank spots or very somewhat blank spots, you know, a few hours away from a hotbed like Chicago, like that to me is crazy. Or just the amount of it that gets to folks, um, you know, where you had these little windows where an album like Get Richard I Try and Get Sell 12 Million Copies in its first week, but that was the only album that sold in, you know, Dubuque. Right. Or so to have an actual room with seventeen thousand people, and then to have Crit and Kuali step out on that stage and do how were they, they received? Not host, not with hostility. Okay, they were received with. Did people know like, who, who it was? Are I think, you saying people don't know who Talib Kuali is? I think people? more people knew Crit than knew Kuali. Okay, but I think some of that has to do with uh, like how hip hop works regionally. And if you get, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But if you get to Southern Iowa, that's Missouri, basically. And there just aren't that many Southern rappers that have a large scope that crosses geographic boundaries. Now, of course, there are a bunch. But for him, I feel like that that was why people locked on to his music a little bit more than Kweli's, even though, of course, like true legendary status, which if I was an artist, I would never want to be called a legend because that would mean I'm old. Mm. But regardless, it was a good show. Um, and I got a chance to to interview Quali for my show, uh, Racing Boundaries. You can uh, check the podcast on iTunes. All right, all right, old school plug. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was a he was a good dude, and you said that you got a chance to meet him too. Yeah, yeah, he was cool. I was actually uh, shout out to comedian D Ray Davis. He's like kind of like an uncle of mine, um, and so I was hanging out with him, and then he introduced. So he was real cool, and I told him like, you know, I also have rapped, and I also have been activist title you know what i'm saying so i told him about the ferguson connection everything and just really was trying to show appreciation and say thank you for being yeah. an example uh yeah and he was he was real cool um so speaking of macklemore unfortunately we uh, are unfortunately we are uh you know that kind of plays into the, the larger like conversation about race and culture uh that is probably being flamed a little bit in this time and, you know, maybe even appropriation of like this post Iggy Azalea moment that we live in. So I'm not even going to put that pressure on you. Cause I like, I feel you not wanting to even go down that road. Right I'm comfortable now. speaking for, for my people. You're comfortable speaking <laughs> no. for you. No, don't do that. You'll get yourself in a lot of trouble. <laughs> if you speak for your people, I'm going to put a stop to that and actually play the antithesis of okay. Macklemore. That's it. <laughs>
we had Kendrick with All Right. He just dropped visuals for that like yesterday or the day before. Ooh. That joint was super dope. Like you were saying, while we uh while the music was playing, it's been a good week for visuals and just like visuals in general. Rihanna dropped the uh BBHMM or is it just one M? I don't know. The B Worry Better Have My Money video, that joint was decent. It was like a sneak diss at her actual accountant who like Oh really? Like yeah, like her, it says it. It's like a lot of subtext. Watch it oh, again, but so her accountant funny. like almost lost her, like ten million dollars or something. Wow! And so it was it was a, a video about her getting her revenge on him. Yeah, I feel like of all the people to be on the bad side of, I just wouldn't want to mess with her. Nah, nah, she gets she gets things sticky. You know what I'm saying? You could tell like she's not taking no no nothing from nobody, at least not these days. You know so. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't want to get on Rihanna's side, bad side either. She had like all of his blood covered over her naked body as mm-hmm. she smoked weed in a, a crate full of money. Uh, yeah. So I think that's quite a powerful and bold feminist statement. And I actually am not being sarcastic. Yeah. Even though I'm, I could be. It works both ways. Yeah, I mean, you get the like, um, the kind of negating phrase like the Beyonce generation, uh, Beyonce generation of feminists. Like yeah, that's like a term that comes up a lot. Yeah. Um, but there's impact. I mean, it, it nah, might. it's dope. It's dope. I mean, she she blew up Twitter, and I think she's also not in the background of the video, covered in blood, in a pile. Of, like, she's not a, an object in the set, in yeah. the setting of the video. It's like that's the that's the person in the foreground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she went there. Yeah, she went all the way there. But we were talking also, you know, coming out of the Kendrick video, um, and some of the unnecessarily just absurd backlash that inherently will come when someone tries to make a statement, you know, about the video or about his performance on BET, on BET awards, um, where why why don't you just say like what you were seeing from folks who, it doesn't really matter what they say. I mean, no, no, we're going to Fox news. I mean, which is almost like, it's almost ridiculous to talk about anymore. Cause it's like, feels hacky. They're just saying things ridiculous on purpose, but basically their point was like him fanning flames to the, police tensions and him performing on a vandalized police car and him having a line that we hate Popo trying to kill his dad in the streets. You know, just making light of the reflection of our realities. Um, They said that he and hip hop in contemporary terms is worse for young black people than racism in in recent years which is like we don't even have to entertain yeah, i mean let's get that or, or talk about you know respond to that but that is the the backlash um so forget that second claim i want to <laughs> talk about the first one of talking about fanning the flames um which i don't think he did i think the flames are, no, they're, are burning they're big high. yeah <laughs> both literally and figured and right, figuratively right. um on both ends but it seems like that should like I don't think it's in any way making light of it to put it on stage. It's actually like the opposite. It's saying like this is worth being taken seriously in a conversation around art and and it's healing right. as well. You know to see a reflection of yeah. your of your anger of your feelings. Yeah, it's a way to cope for real. So for you, you know, with all the million things you do, many of them being art uh, and being part of this community, where it seems like the overlap between artist, organizer, thinker community builder is so close i mean does that feel like an empowering uh role to serve to serve those two roles uh yeah um i think yeah it's definitely empowering um and it's exciting and and and, and sometimes it it feels like necessity um Mm -hmm. like if you can at all um you should make that attempt if you have the means, you have the ability and you have the time, like, you know, just capacity uh, to try to create and try to express 
um, personally what's going on with you in this messed up world because other people can relate to that or if you can try to reflect the, the grander social yeah. aspects um, of, of what's going on in, in a way that people can understand like that is needed every day and then as you kind of go into the exercise or at least personally as I'm you know trying to write or perform or talk about these things or even just be in conversation with them as it begins to happen in real life and as there is a, a, a public like coordination or response to these things that have been killing us forever for real um it becomes like a a sense of ob- obligation or almost a duty um to to almost like not be hypocritical um and also it, it is it is fun and it's life-giving and it's community building um and you know you, once you grow up as many of us have uh, you know hearing about the 60s and hearing about what's going on and then being told the lie that like things are all better now and it's all good you have this like always desire it's like it's almost like you know Martin Luther King and the Panthers of them are like Michael Jordan or Bugs Bunny it's like the kid as a kid you watch those old videos and you're like what would I do if that was coming up or I wish that I can make that type of change or that type of impact um, and so for anybody who has the opportunity to do that today um, it is definitely empowering and looking at the other folks who you build community with and build movements with here, you know, so many of them also are, you know, artists and writers and poets on their own. Definitely. And I, I just know from being around these different scenes, it seems like specifically poetry here more than in other places is this medium that people keep coming back to and keep coming back to as like a, an organizing tool even like at the, you know, the center point of a protest. Right. Do you feel like one, that's effective? And two, are there any ways in which using that art at the center of it is limiting? Um, and people can just kind of snap yeah. their fingers at it. Um, I, I see what you're saying. One, it, it's super effective because I think the reason why that is, at least in Chicago, is because like the institutions that are supposed to serve us have almost intentionally failing us so like when the school system is getting defunded and defunded and defunded you know generation after generation um the you know for last like 10 years the only real place you have to learn about the the world is these like kind of after school programs or these artist led programs and they are the only place that are really apt to talk about what's going on Mm. or to teach you things about the world outside of like you know the bs core curriculum type stuff so as creativity is being pushed out of education um, in Chicago, we have places like YCA, we have places like U Media, um, and all of these other communities where art is becoming like almost the disguise. It's almost like what the church used to be. Like we, we're going to talk about God to talk about freedom, right. uh, but now we're going to like we're going to talk about metaphors to kind of if we can't create literally, you know, to kind of create in a you know figurative sense the world that we want. And so from that, it just groomed and birthed a lot of people that had this kind of these dual sensibilities of how to perform and how to, you know, express, but also an understanding of what, you know, safe space means or understanding of these different, you know, kind of very political things that were were taught in a simple and, you know, personable way. And so from that, there's this whole generation of people, um, you know, Malcolm London, uh, you know, ethos. um, And then a lot of the rappers that we have are at least in, have an awareness that I think is not, in every city and are active, you know, you, you see a lot of, you know, people like no name gypsy or, you know, chance not only talking about these things, but also deeply connected with the people participating in community organizing that are fighting for this. And it's because they are a product of community organizing, um, especially as like, you know, 
the neoliberal, like helping people has to be done through like nonprofits. You know, the only way that people can learn in some of these systems is through kind of art uh, that is pushed outside of the school. And I think that's what like happened in Chicago. And and is that limiting to answer your question? Um, No, because kind of like the Macklemore thing you were saying of like, even if he sucks or even if it's, you know, you know, whitewashing, he brought 17,000 people to listen to hip hop. Right. Mm-hmm. So even if it's not as deep or even if it doesn't go anywhere past the snap of this poem, you have now engaged something that is not being talked about anywhere else. Um, and for me, from what I've seen, especially since it's not like always like the bongo drums, like old poetry you think about you when you see people rapping or kind of like footworking mm-hmm. in the streets and doing things that you do already. It definitely is like a sugar in the medicine mm-hmm. um, because kind of standing up can be scary uh, or intimidating. And so making it fun and making it rhythmic. Um, and making it creative and making it not boring, uh, I think, in Chicago has, has given, you know, organizing or what we know as the movement an extra oom for us, you know, more legs. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, some of those names that you mentioned are folks that, you know, you'll be hearing in long, dis- long form discussion on this program over the next few weeks and next few months. And that's kind of part of the idea is in those, um, you know, there are some of those physical spaces where that work is being done. And then I think where some of the disconnect happens in terms of representation is that there aren't uh, media spaces or forums where folks still were in, in the same way that folks have the agency to take ownership and tell their stories and create their art and do their organizing physically. Those things kind of get lost in translation because of the consolidation and way that media works. So some of the idea here is using the ideas and the art and the musings of those folks and so many more to kind of create a, if not fully comprehensive, at least a more honest depiction or glimpse of how people are reshaping the culture of the city and of this country. True. True. That was very well said. I don't even. So look out for that. That's what's what's coming in the next few weeks. No, Hey, ergo. Hey. We are here in the go. There you go. Is that intentional? Oh, yeah. Very intentional. All right. Catch the pun, people. I was trying to uh, figure out if we could work the apostrophe into the logo. It just didn't look good. It didn't work from a design. But if you want to see what the design looks like Uh-oh. and see what the website and get a little Uh-oh. bit more of a feel of what we're Segway. talking about, ergoradio.com. What? Live and in effect. We so online, baby. Hey, we're really. Mama, I made it. <laughs> Dot com. You hear us? That's a, if you go to mamaimadeit.com, it will redirect now. Um, but one of the things that uh, we will be doing, like I said, we'll be doing these live long form interviews with some sort of live performance at the end and tapping into some of the different communities across the city uh, and bringing them kind of together to show a little bit more of a tapestry of what's happening here. That's what's up. That's what's up. And then we get our WWWs up. <laughs> and then every episode will be podcasted on iTunes and on SoundCloud and everything. That's where you lost me. (laughs) But the thing that I think is really exciting to me uh, in taking it from a media space to a physical space is we're going to be doing these mixtapes where we pull the live performances off the air. You know, they'll do them on the air. We'll cut it. We'll curate these live mixtapes that'll come out quarterly and we'll do a release party with those. We got a lot going. Getting some of these folks actually in a room together with y'all. And you'll be able to get your hands on the mixtape, get to meet and hear the performances of some of these folks and maybe see uh, some great new artists who are doing this work on stage. 
So stay tuned for a little bit of information about that as the show builds. We'll get started with some interviews in the next couple of weeks. We got a lot coming for you. Stay in tune, man. We got a lot going on as you hear. There's going to be big things, summer 2015, going into the fall next year. And, you know, for years to come, we're, we're here. Yeah. We got www's and .coms. And, and, and I bought that domain name for a year. So we're at least a year. For a year. I owe you a few dollars on that, too. But we'll, we'll handle that, we'll handle handle that, that off. <laughs> off air. But as we're talking about Chicago and all of the artists that, you know, have grown out of this, you know, new time of consciousness, one of my favorite and one of my closest friends, we got John Doe with Ghost. Who we are is written in the stars Fragile fate, I know that it's too late I know that who we are is when the stars collide I hope that you'll be fine That was Have a Nice Day by Your Highness, a raw, 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 super dope collective band here from Chicago, formerly known as She. Um, a lot of them are actually based from St. Louis, so they're not like Chicago, Chicago. They like to definitely keep their St. Louis-ness about them. And before that, like I said, was John Doe uh, with Ghost off the Solar System Project. Part two of that should be coming out later this year. Us, uh, us transplants can bring something to the table too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, much love to all of the non-natives. <laughs> I just know some people are very sensitive and don't want to be called Chicagoans if they mm. are from somewhere else. So I just wanted to give them respect, especially since I got so much love for St. Louis. What's very up? understandable. Yeah, you've been going back and forth. Um, but we'll talk more about that yeah. hopefully next week. Yeah. It's been uh it's been great, man. I've been calling this, I don't know if you've been been catching, I've been trying to be uh clever. I've been calling this prep ergo mm-hmm. as we prepare for it, but like Ooh. prep for the air. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I like it a, a lot. Little, little pun. Uh so this has been some prepare ergo pre 
prepares. If we don't bring you anything else on this show, we will bring you puns. Like we got that's all we do. A stack of those that's written on the table here for you. We're just I'm just going through it's like a like Letterman with the note cards. I'm just going oh, through man. looking for puns. Oh man. Yeah, R.I.P. David Letterman. <laughs> I mean, that's an expression that you. I know he did literally die. No, he's alive and well, but like he's gone from oh from this job God. and this show. But I think we are about to be gone from our show and our well. Yeah. Shut up. I like to say we're the uh, we're the Letterman of the noon hour in the city of Chicago. That is very true. Thursday, Southside and Internet, there we run know. it. Uh, up next, we got all sports. Um, Alan is not around yet, but Mario is here, and I'm sure he's got a lot to talk about. Um, as always there's a lot of NBA movement going around whether you want to hear what he has to say or not oh, that's a whole no. other issue oh no the draft went cool Jabari, uh, not Jabari Jalil went yeah. to uh, the Sixers and yeah. I, he didn't seem too happy about that first day back don't get murdered on the air <laughs> <Daniel>. <laughs> and Mario's threatening people um, so yeah we're about to get out of here um, ergoradio.com on Twitter at ergoradio yeah so I guess I should play one more song as we transition um, and since we're gone I guess I should play that. All right. Thanks for tuning in, folks. See you next week. Wish I had told who was the only one. Uh-oh. But it's too late. It's too late. Keep going. Wish I had home. Go.